It's my girl. Constance Hall, one of the most talked about bloggers in the country. I look up! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend. The yin to her yang. The gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens, by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girls! Good evening, Con. Good evening, beautiful. Uh, can I just say I'm loving your new fringe? Thank you. I was going to do an Instagram poll, but then I thought, no, you really have no life. <laughs> <laughs> There's dying nations. <laughs> do not do an Instagram poll about your fringe. <laughs> so we're the Queen Sesh. I'm Annalise Dent and my best mate, Constance Hall. She's a writer, blogger. And I saw, Con, that you released the cover of your second book this week. This is correct. You already knew about this because your mum was a photographer. I know. And it is just so chic and such a chic chic. collaboration. I can't wait to read the book. Oh, I don't let anyone else take my photo anymore. I know. I I feel exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) I never had a choice. (laughs) Uh, Con, lots to get through tonight on the sesh. Later on the show, we're going to find the person who's had the cringiest run-in with a famous person, and I believe you've got... I, a crack topping me, <laughs> topping me would be good. <laughs> uh, but next, Con, you're actually you're turning relationship expert. Yeah, on how to fight with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you really are an expert in that category. I am. Yeah, I'm good at it. <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Con, I absolutely love the blog that you wrote this week about or inspired by fighting with your husband. I was so proud of myself for having an argument with my husband, which is bound to happen. We have six children, one on the way. I work (laughs) ridiculous hours. Uh, My company's in Melbourne. I'm in Perth, so I'm up at six responding to emails and while my husband likes to surf. And and we've got a a dog. And so there's so much going on in our lives that we're going to fight all the time. And the catchphrase from the blog that I wrote about fighting was from you. You're the one who said to me once, it's not, about the fact that you fight, it's about how you fight. And I always thought about that because I, I've always been a really bad fighter. Mm. I throw everything in. Well, if you're going to, do you know what? I can't stay married to someone <laughs> who thinks like that. And I'm talking, I've packed people's things and, you know, yeah. like I just, just lose my call. Just don't a, I? a slight touch of drama. Yeah, and I just, I've really tried to work on that lately, not letting my anxiety and my anger and my, you know, get to that level where I'm throwing it all in because my psychologist once said to me, it's not about what is the essential seed of the fight. Mm. It's about the things that you do during the fight. And Denim, my beautiful husband, said that to me once. We had an argument over, like, the way we spoke to each other at the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) We were fighting over money. And he said to me afterwards, so don't give a sh about what was said at the dentist. It was everything that you said afterwards. It was really hurtful. And then I realised that I was dealing with someone who's so gentle and beautiful Mm. and that had to make me more gentle and beautiful, you know? Like the things that I said couldn't be taken back. And so I really have worked on myself and the things that I've done. And we had an argument a week ago in the morning. To be honest, I can't... Oh, he he gave this kid's lunch money to somebody else. What? what, Who? On purpose? Well, no, no. (laughs) Sonny needed money. One of my stepkids needed money to get from lunch. And we had enough money to give to him... And to give to the other kids for school lunch. Anyway, he gave it all to Sunny by accident. And so I was just like, are you kidding? So what? Now I have to go to the ATM while you get to sleep in and all you ever do is surf. And <laughs> and then he was like, screamed at me and went to the toilet. That was literally it. We didn't talk for 24 hours because really? we were both still mad. Yeah. Mm. Like we were both still mad. There's obviously other things that are built up, you know, like the fact that
fact that I'm always doing the lunches kind of annoys me. And <laughs> there's a couple of, you know, so obviously we still, but we didn't scream, we didn't fight, the kids didn't hear us, we didn't divorce, we didn't, he didn't move out, you know. And I was just so proud that in the morning when I was sitting on the couch the next day, upset because I had missed him, I don't like sleeping without him. I had my little Arlo and Billy jump into bed with me, my children. But then he came to me and he was like, missed you. And I was like, missed you too. And I was just so proud that I hadn't turned it into a week-long fight by being a dick. Yeah. And so I really learnt how to calm myself down now while I, when I have an argument with somebody and not, and not take it to that next level. At 34 years old, do you think I could have learnt this a long time ago? Maybe. So if anyone has any other insight about how to fight, which sounds ridiculous, but, you know, I think it's really valid. I think if you can fight well, you can make it. If anyone else has any pearls of wisdom, please send them through to us on our Facebook page at The Queen Sesh. This is The Queen Sesh. Con, remember that beautiful video that went viral last Mother's Day? Of course I remember it. It was so beautiful. And we'd met him before, so I remembered his amazing hair. Yes. Right. <laughs> so Ryan John, he's on our Perth Hit 92.9 station and he did a, a, a video and a, a plea to find his birth mother. And it just went absolutely viral. And since then he hasn't found his birth mother, but he has had a huge, huge win and success with his story. And to share it now, we have Ryan, the beautiful Ryan. Welcome to the Queen Sesh. Well, I mean, it's been a very busy couple of months for me, but um, basically I met my biological father for the very first time at age 30, just a few months ago. And um, he had no idea that I even existed. So that was a very strange scenario for all of us. And Ryan, I'm sorry, I'm hormonal and pregnant, but I cried my eyes out because not only did he want to did you find him, but he was like, come, send me in London, I'll pay for your family to come here. I was, it was like a fairy tale of adopted kids, isn't it? It literally, yeah, couldn't have gone any better. He said, oh, I'm so sorry that I've missed being part of your life. Um, what's mine is yours. Come stay with me. I'll fly oh, you over. And just for king. the record, I just like to say that I, I didn't let him pay in anything because I just felt like... <laughs> I, because, but I, hey, I, Daddy. I, you yeah, look up but, with your 10 mates. <laughs> yeah, but I just it was really important to me that I wasn't messaging because I wanted something and yeah, I didn't want to yeah. make him feel like he owed me anything. All I wanted was to meet him and, and have a relationship. And uh, it turns out he's done well for himself, so he didn't care anyway, but... But what is lovely is that if you weren't in the position to pay, he would have, you know, he would have done that. And I think, I just thought that was so beautiful. I was actually like made my husband watch it and he doesn't watch any Facebook videos for me. So I was so moved by that He was incredible and they, um, we we met for the first time and we went out for coffee and we sat in the cafe for like seven hours and it would have looked like just two mates catching up to anyone else because we just got along straight away. And then for the whole week I was in London, it was dinner every night, beers every night we went out and it was just a really great celebration. And like you said, Constance, it like... It looks and was like a fairy tale. It couldn't have gone any better. And something else that I took away from this is, sorry, I'm excited because we often talk about things that I know nothing about, Mm. but I actually know your whole story. So (laughs) I'm excited with this interview. Um, The other thing that I thought was really cute was when you were talking about your mother, your birth mother. Mm Mm-hmm. And he didn't like have that much information on her, just her name, and the fact that she made him a mixtape. Oh, everyone they... loves, <laughs> everyone loves the mixtape. It is probably the cutest part of the story. So basically, um, she was running a factory, like she worked in a factory, like the manager or something. He was a backpacker, and like backpackers do, oh, cash job for a couple of days at a factory, great. And they hooked up at Friday night drinks, any kind of Friday night drinks that happens anywhere in Australia. And yeah. then he went in the next week to you know pick up his paycheck and continue on his travels. And she said, oh, you know I. 
I know you've got to keep traveling, um, but I just wanted to say I had a great time and I've made you a mixtape. So when you drive up the coast, um, you can listen to these music I've put together. And I thought, oh my God, this is the oh most 80s and 90s thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Did she have flowers in her hair? Because I was, like, <laughs> when I was envisioning it, it was more 70s. It was like he was, you know, in right. a combi. And <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't, he wasn't a van. He was traveling around Australia, um, right around. So when he found out he had an Australian child, he, you know, we can reminisce about the places we've been. And obviously, it's a bit different to how it was 30 years ago. But um, yeah, it was quite bizarre. Wow. I, I think the other really beautiful thing about the story is that you now have siblings. Yeah, I mean, you grow up as not only an adoptee, but an only, an only child. So it's just very normal for you to not have, oh, just getting around with the bros. And I know yeah. my be- my best mate, Dave, him and his brother look the same. And you go, oh, the Parsons boys, they've got the same hair Aww. and they play volleyball <laughs> the same way. And like father, like son, all those sort of sayings that I've never uh, mm. been a part of. But when I mm. met these two brothers, I was like, oh, my God, you look the same. We're studying the same thing at university. We've got so many similarities and it's... It's sort of as if we grew up together because we're so alike, yet mm. we only met for the first time just a month ago. Anything scary? Like, with like, oh, by the way, we have this genetic, genetic heart disorder. <laughs> well, that's actually the main reason I wanted to track them down because, as you can imagine, there's only so many times a doctor can ask about your medical history and you go, I, I-, I don't know, um, before mm. you start to get a bit curious. But my birth father, he played lacrosse in college and he travelled around playing lacrosse. And I said, oh, why did you stop? Did you retire? And he said, no, I had a bad left shoulder. Um, I had to get surgery. There was no reason for it. It was just always a bit weird. And he showed me this scar on his left shoulder. And then I pulled my T-shirt across and I said, I have the exact same scar <gasps> from the exact same surgery on the same shoulder. Wow, from and, the same surgery. Yeah, and, and I didn't, it's not like I was playing football and I got crunched. Like there was no reason for it to be bad other than I was just born with a bit of a dodgy shoulder. And wow. now I know that it's all my dad's fault. God damn it, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, how fantastic. Another thing that I, on a bit, bit more of a serious topic that I got mm-hmm. took away from this was that um, when, as women, when it comes to like, <clears throat> um, you know, f- fertility and like fertility management, mm. I can't find my words today. I know there's a better word. Contraception. Yes. Um, we, you know, I remember when I was 17 and I went in to have an abortion and you're not really told of any other options. You're not, you see in the movies, you see people going, oh, there's adoption as well. But in Australia, you're not told of any, you're told you don't have to do this. You could very well keep the baby or come right through and have the abortion. That's sort of the only options that you're given. And would you, after your experience, would you like people to be given the, like a chat and a bit of education about adoption or is the laws still too, are the laws still too like strict around that topic? Well, when I was placed into adoption, there was 15 other babies placed into adoption that year, and there were 2,000 married couples who couldn't conceive and who were desperate to adopt. So of those 2,000 couples, only 15 got the chance to be parents. And I think that's the thing that people forget with the adoption story is that my mum and dad couldn't conceive naturally. Um, my mum did IVF twice, and it was unsuccessful, and they got married when they were 21, and at 33, they were like that's it for us. You know, I, I don't get to be parents anymore. And then suddenly, I mean, what, it's like the greatest gift you can give is the gift mm. of life. And suddenly people who were told they couldn't be parents get to be parents. And so obviously I'm still all like, hey, you do you, but just know yeah. that there's <clears throat> a lot of options out there and there's a lot of people who would love the opportunity to be a mum and dad, mm. but might not be able to do it in the traditional way. And there's about mm. a 10 year wait for adoption in Australia. 
which is really? huge. Far out. Up to but I think years. fostering is a very different story, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just know that mum and dad were super lucky and they were super happy. And, and um, I mean, like you were saying, Constance, it's so easy that I just wouldn't have been an option. So I'm quite lucky that I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you made it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what message do you have for anyone who is in your shoes who's adopted? Um, well, for me, I guess not knowing is sort of the toughest thing, even if it's a not a great result or I find my birth mother and she doesn't want anything to do with me, at least I'll know. And I think everyone wants to know their story and it's literally the story of my life and I don't know a lot about it. So that's a bit, you know, I'm just a curious person and even if it's not a good result, just going for it anyway, at least I can sort of rest easy and know that I tried and I've got an answer. So I would suggest to just have a crack. You think you would have been mentally strong enough for some really bad news if you got it? Um, I mean, it depends what it is really. And it's hard yep. to, hard to judge, but like I said, just knowing an answer, I'll, I'll be able to deal with the answer in time, I guess, but not knowing you're always going to have that piece of the puzzle where you're not sure of. So that would be a little yep. bit tricky, I reckon. Yeah. Knowing is always better. Ryan, we absolutely adore you and we love watching your journey and we can't wait to find out more about it. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, I think the low light of this week would have been that it was Harvey Weinstein's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) You're Harvey shaming again, Anne. (laughs) I am. I absolutely am. How did he spend it? I don't know. I didn't see any pap shots. But did you yeah. end up watching that doco? You know, I was texting. Yes. I was like, you've got to see the inside story. Yeah, I did watch. I fell asleep halfway through, but I watched it. What do you think? It just, you know, obviously he's a predator. It just made <laughs> me feel, it made me feel really sorry for the people that came in contact with him. And, you know, it's just unbelievable that this was happening, like right under our noses. And for so long. And do you know what? I really wanted my husband to watch it because I really want the blokes to realise how serious this is, how common it is. You know, like this is a real issue. It's not women, like it's not the feminists. They always call us feminazis and mm. it's not, it's actually really, and it's terrifying. And so I was really stoked that even when I fell asleep, my husband stayed up and watched it. The really cool thing that happened on his birthday, the pioneer of the hashtag MeToo movement and one of the first women to actually come out and speak out against him and come forward with the rape allegations was Rose McGowan and she delivered a beautiful little message for Harvey. Take a listen. Happy birthday, Harvey Weinstein. I told you we'd be coming. I told you 20 years ago if I heard of you doing this to another girl or woman... We would come for you. I would come for you. Happy birthday. From all of us. We win. (gasps) Oh, I just got goosebumps. She's so scary. I know, and she did a little wink at the end. She was married to Marilyn Manson. Can you imagine how scary they would have both been? Yes. We win. God, there are so many people I want to whisper that to. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Queen Sesh. Last year, Con, I don't know if you remember, but we actually chatted about a new trend that was Mm -hmm. happening in the world called Daddy Moons, which is (laughs) a baby moon for men Mm -hmm. whose partner are expecting. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward a few months, you're now pregnant Mm -hmm. and you shared some news with me this (laughs) week Mm -hmm. and you've got a little update for the queens. Okay, so yep. queens. My husband, who I'm not bitching about because every time that I say anything negative about him, I get a barrage of hate because everybody mm. loves him so much, um, has decided to take himself on a baby moon. <laughs> <laughs> Which last year you said he would never 
you would. It's no way he's going on a baby moon. Okay, but to take be fair, us through why he, he hasn't called it a baby moon. He's not going away because he needs to get ready for the baby. And he's, look, is, is he is he going to Vegas? No. Okay. So I'm 29 weeks pregnant right now. Um, I have premature babies. None of my babies have come on time. The earliest was 34 weeks. The latest was 37 weeks. So we're preparing for the baby in, you know, anything from five weeks or four weeks. Um, my beautiful husband told me that he wanted to go to the Bluff, which is a really popular surf destination. He said, come. Mm. It's a 13-hour drive from Perth up north. There's no phone reception. You're camping. I can't even get comfy in my king-size bed at the moment. So when he said come, I was like, no, darling, I'm not coming. I trust him. I love him. I've never been in a relationship where I just want someone to be so happy. So my natural reaction is never to say no to him. Mainly for the fact that he never goes out drinking. He never goes out without me. You know, I say to him, go to the gig, get drunk. I'm I'm stuck here. You know, I don't feel well. He's always home with me no matter what time. If I want to go home at 7 p.m., he comes home and he's just beautiful. So when he said, I want to go to the bluff, I said, you go, you go. Then I started thinking about it. <laughs> I think he's booked it. So, and I was thinking, hang on a minute, I'll be 32 weeks pregnant when he goes. Mm. I have delivered at 34 weeks before, but that was twins, so they were like, you know, earlier. I think this baby's going to come around 36 weeks. But you, I've, I've actually planned to have Annalise come and stay with me for the week because I don't want to be alone. And... <laughs> You'll be with me, but what if I go into labour and I can't get in contact with him? Now, I wasn't going to say this on the radio show because it wasn't a big enough deal, but I said to him the other morning, how about every day, once a day, you drive into town, half-hour drive, Mm. to get a phone reception, just to make sure I haven't, you know, we're not a family of seven instead of a family of six. And he said, oh, no, that's just such a drainer. I don't want to have to drive all the way into town every day. He goes, every second day. I was like, you really think you've got this sort of negotiating power when I'm, like, so cool about you just pissing off? Well, I'm selfishly wrapped because it means that (laughs) we get a week together with all of our kids. kids. It's finally our life's dream our women's and children's only commune for a I know, week. I agree. Oh, except I think that, you know, my brother will be lingering around and That's stuff. okay. That's part of the children kind of yeah, umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think this is great and I can't wait and it would be even better if you went into birth because then I could also fulfil out <laughs> See, that, my life. That's my biggest dream. fear is that you're my birthing – you yeah. as my birthing partner is my biggest fear. Really? Oh, God, yeah, you would be rank in labour. You'd be like, yes, push, you can do this. All right. It would, <laughs> you'd have a sweatband on. I can picture it now. Yeah, I would. And bells and there'd be chants and music. You know, Beyonce, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> we'll be doing lots of squats that way. I was just thinking we could lots go Lots of curries. <laughs> we could go to ads now. <laughs> That's my girl. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, go! An hour two, we're into this. You can call us anytime, 131060, but still so much to get through on the SeshCon. Yes, and I plan on making you cringe over something really <laughs> awkward that I said quite a long time ago. Okay, I'm, I'm up for that challenge. Okay, I look cool. forward to it. But <laughs> you know what happened that was ridiculous this week, Con? That a curvy wife nearly broke the internet because she shared a photo of her husband with a six-pack. Babe, do you know how relatable that is to me? <laughs> I know. It is literally my life. <laughs> oh, my we're, God. We're going to find out why the whole world shook as a result. That's next. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, this week, the photographer and 
podcaster, Jenna Kutcher. She went absolutely viral because she shared a post about a trolling incident that she'd received because her husband has a six-pack and she self-described curvy and someone said that she shouldn't be with him. Well, it wasn't just a six-pack. Come on, he was pretty ripped. Like, he probably shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, it was very relatable to me, I must say. When I saw them walking down on the beach, the picture of them, you know, he's ripped as. And she was, she has an amazing body, very attractive body. She looks healthy. She's curvy, yes. So she's not obviously like gym junkie. But gosh, she looks great. Mm. And, you know, I find that more attractive. That's just me. I've never been into the ripped body thing. Like, never, ever, ever. And when a guy with a ripped body, like, approached me in a bar I'd quickly run away because it's all the things that comes with gym and healthy food and you know these are the things I don't like so I related a lot now because my husband is very lean Mm. he's not ripped he's not big and bulky but he surfs every day so he's got a sexy back and a good six pack and you know I lie next to him with my six rolls Mm. and I you know I guess in the beginning I sort of thought it was a little bit like oh you're making me feel fat the last thing I want to do is jump on top of you when you know I've way more than you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how I actually heard about this story Con? My husband, who has recently transformed his body and lost oh, 17 don't we know kilos it. and looks don't amazing, it. sent it to me, his wife, who could be described as curvy also, and he was like, oh, look at this article. And I was like, and I read it, and I was like... It's really bizarre okay. thinking to send you. Clarence, okay. I'm texting him as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, how ridiculous that a woman can get shamed for such a thing. Speaking of shaming, you do have a photo of your husband eating an avocado that you pull out every time he talks about his weight loss. I can't believe you just said that. He's. I hope he's not listening right now. This is the Queen Sesh. For the entire show, Con has been teasing me that she bumped into a celebrity and said something mortifying. Who was it and what did you say? Okay, first of all, this was a while ago. It was over 10 years ago. Really? And you've held on to this for 10 years? Are you serious? (laughs) Well, I probably told you at the time, but you would have forgotten. Mm. Um... I didn't realise this celebrity was such a big deal because I was like, you know, 22 or something and I was just walking, cruising the street. 24, 10 years. Yeah, okay, it was more than that then because I was living in Melbourne. Mm. Um, and what happened was I just thought it was someone that my folks knew of. And so I approached Bob Geldof. Oh, and oh I said to on Ackland Street in St Kilda, and I said, Bob, oh, like no. as if I'm the only one who knows who he is. Like, you know, and, and I was like. he's about to catch up for a coffee. And oh. Annalise Gutsworth, he goes, hey, and he looked really unimpressed. I said, I know how annoying it is because last year I was on Big Brother. Oh. And, pe- <laughs> and people approached me all the time and he looked at me like I was <gasps> And he was like, cool. And I was like, anyway, I love what you do. I love that song. And I'm Constance, by the way. <laughs> oh. I spent the last 10 years cringing that this is how I treated Sir Bob Gildor. I think we should track down Sir Bob and have a reunion <laughs> of this moment. That is he won't remember it. That's the, I thought he was going to remember it for the rest of his life, but now I realise he's not. That's just harrowing. I know. Even if someone said that to me on the street, like, don't worry, Constance, I get it. I was on Big Brother. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> oh. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, I reckon that's the worst thing you've ever said. 
I know. And it got me thinking, I was like, surely everyone said something stupid. So many people come up to me and they go, Constance, I didn't want to say anything, but I wanted to say hi. And oh my God. And, and then they go, I'm so embarrassed. And I don't know how I could make anyone feel embarrassed. I don't wear shoes. And, you know, I've always got one nipple out or something mm. terrible. But then I thought, everyone must have an awkward experience with a celebrity. Well, let's find out. 13, 10, 60. What's your cringy celeb story? We'll find out next. This is the Queen Sesh. And before I was just telling Annalise about the time that I told Bob Geldof <laughs> that we were on a similar level because sir, I'd been... Sir, sorry, sir, Bob Geldof, Bob because Geldof. I had um, appeared on Big Brother for 10 days when I was 21. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, Bob Geldof actually thought that this was that, yeah, he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so on 131060, we want to hear other cringy celeb calls. And we've got Lauren from Victoria. What's the cringiest thing you've ever said to a celeb? Um, so I used to work for um, a catering company in the UK um, and we would go on tour with the bands and um, I went on tour with various bands and um, one of them was Iron Maiden and at the start of the tour you generally sort of get together with the crew and you, you're doing rehearsals or whatever and not, not a lot of the band had shown up at that point um, and we were getting all our riders together which is you know dressing room stuff and stuff for after the for on the buses we were told that there was going to be some extra truck drivers coming to take the extra um, gear down to the next venue and I was to go and find him and ask him what he wanted for his packed lunch essentially on the bus on his um, truck I spotted some long-haired dude and a in a pair of jeans and a leather vest and I walked up to him and he was sitting with a whole bunch of guys and I said um, so you're the new truck driver right so um, what do you want for your sandwich and he turned around and he just looked at me with horror and said hi I'm Dave and I play guitar for Iron Maiden and um, <laughs> then I looked around and saw the drummer from Iron Maiden and the lead singer from Iron Maiden and um, I wasn't a huge Iron Maiden fan at the time so I didn't really know them but um, yeah they found it hilarious and that was the running joke of the tour unfortunately and you know in all fairness yeah. he should have driven the truck for the rest of the time if you want to look like that he should have he should have <laughs> <laughs> and We've got Kim from Victoria on thirteen ten sixty. What's the cringiest thing that you've ever said to a celebrity? Hi. Um, yeah, so when we were kids, uh, we were sitting in the back of a car at a rodeo with my mum and dad and a stranger at the time. And uh, my mum sort of discreetly leant down and said to my sister and I, now, you do realise that this is John Farnham, don't you? And my sister stood up and looked him straight in the face and said, no way, John Farnham's not that ugly. <gasps> Poor John. <laughs> it was rather embarrassing. He did kind of just laugh it off, but, um, really? yeah, it was quite funny, yeah. Yeah, poor John. Wow, what does he look like in real life? Um, he looks very different. Definitely really? without the stage makeup. yes. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that is. Sorry, John, didn't mean to expose you, Con. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the good thing, Con, you know, you never wear makeup. Well, so, yeah, you know. I know, I was in a bar the other night on Friday night and I got out of the toilet and this girl said, you look like that blogger Constance Hall. And I was like, thanks. And I was washing my hands and she goes to me, but you're way hotter. And I was like, but she's pretty hot, isn't she? And she was like, no. This is the Queen Sesh. Annalise, last week I wrote a blog about anxiety. I do this every now and then because anxiety is something that even when you've conquered, you still live with. Because mm, it's something it's, that you, you've really conquered but you, it still flares up. It's not something you never really conquer. It's just something that you get better at. 
from my Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I really do believe that, you know, the, the more your brain ticks, the more you are prone to it. And some people are just sort of ignorantly in bliss and they don't have any worries in the world. And I remember um, Denham explained it to someone once. He said, my husband, he said that Con's brain spins very, very fast <laughs> and she yes. struggles to control it sometimes. <laughs> but I liked it because it made me feel like, well, I'm not slow, I'm sharp. But, yeah, some things do overwhelm me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wrote this blog and it was basically about all of the myths that, the, that surround anxiety and we got such a huge response and I think somebody even called in here. Yeah, so we, we received a message on our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh, and someone wanted your tips on anxiety uh, as someone that, you know, they really look up to. And we do like to finish the show on Queen Vice, which is advice yep. for queens. So we thought, what a great way to finish tonight. Yep. So she wanted to know how you get through, like what are your actual tips for surviving anxiety when you're in a moment? Okay, so first of all, like you shouldn't be ever get into a, like if you're regularly going getting into a panic, you need to see a doctor or a psychologist at least. But... The thing about anxiety to me is knowledge is power. When you know how common it is, when you know how many people are suffering from it, you feel powerful. Anxiety's best is only power is convincing you that it's something to be ashamed of, that you're the only one feeling this. I kind of sometimes think of anxiety as that abusive ex-boyfriend who's sort of like still whispering in your ear, you're still a piece of you know, and you can't tell anyone because if you tell people that you're still getting harassed by him, they'll think you're weak. So you keep it to yourself. The more people that you talk about it to, anxiety can't live in the light. It can only survive in the darkness. So if you, the more you talk about it, the better it will get. I also sometimes like to use the analogy of the Catholic Church because I'm an atheist. I'm nothing against the Catholic Church, but they have become so powerful by, by building this fear of something that I believe doesn't exist, the devil and hell. Mm. But the Catholic Church is very real, but the devil and hell aren't. So when people say, oh, anxiety, it's not even real, it's actually very, very real, only the things that it's convincing you that are happening aren't. It's convincing you might stop breathing, you might spew, what if you shit yourself in public? It's sort of always constantly telling you that this is going to happen and these things aren't real. These things don't actually happen to people who suffer from anxiety. But the fear and the anxiety is real. So once you take that power away from the anxiety, just say to anxiety, give me what's, what's your best, give it to me. Usually there's nothing there at all. Mm. And uh, one of your queens on your Constance Hall Facebook page, uh, she wrote the most valuable piece of advice she was given. If you feel like you can't make it through the day, focus on the next hour. If you feel like you can't make it through the next hour, focus on the next few minutes. And if you can't focus on the next minutes, just take deep breaths one at a time. And I like that. I like that too. I also, like, I really, really can't say it enough. You have to tell all of your friends that you're suffering. I never forget the first time that you teased me for having anxiety. It was such a breath of fresh air. It was such a relief. She, Annalise, yeah, Annalise said, somebody (laughs) said, where's Con? And Annalise said, God, no, she's probably rocking in the corner with a brown paper bag. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, I actually was. So, (laughs) and I just felt so empowered. Like, I'm not embarrassed. She's, if if your best friend's taking the piss out of you about something, it's clearly not a big problem. And it really minimised it. It really just took the piss out of anxiety. And so I can't say enough. That that helps so much. Confront your anxiety. Ask yourself, what, it is, what is it that I'm afraid of? And for tips on anxiety, uh, please reach out to beyondblue.org.au. If you want to reach out, get in touch. We love hearing from you. Just search the Queen Sesh Facebook page and you can also find the full show and the podcast link there as well. Have a beautiful week. Thank you so much for joining us, Queens. This is the Queen Sesh.